0: Do they get it? Have you ever wondered that about your kids? Are they getting what I'm doing? Am I making a difference? Whether you're a social worker, or a Sunday school teacher, especially those in the secular world, maybe you're a supervisor somewhere in a plant or wherever you may be, and you're wondering, is what I'm doing mattering? Are they getting it? Can you imagine in your mind being a missionary in one of the most remote places on the planet. And you've been there for 15, 20 years. And you've heard about hundreds of converts in some sections of the world, but you've been in your place of ministry for the last 15 or 18 or 20-some years, and you've got a handful of converts that you've been working with for all of that time. Can you imagine what that must feel like? Especially if they read a story of us having hundreds respond to a message somewhere in some place of the world. Imagine in your mind being a pastor of a very, very small church. I had a friend who was a chaplain in the military, still is, and just came home last year after a 13-month tour in Iraq to take a small church in this area. We have more in our junior high ministry than he's starting with in his church. You imagine that guy, maybe he's been in a church like that or a small church somewhere, in Western PA. or in Western Idaho, who's been there for a long period of time, and then they're on a tour, they're visiting other churches. they come to a campus like ours. Imagine one runders through their mind. Maybe you've invested in a ministry for a long period of time, and you wonder, am I seeing any return in what I've done? Whether in actually what I physically invested financially, or maybe in that ministry because I've been involved, is there any return? Now, at least in a bank, you know where your money is and you know how much return you're going to get, right? Okay, well, not much today. <laughs> but how do you measure ministry? How do you measure success in ministry? How do you measure success as a parent? How do you measure success as a teacher? Every once in a while, you'll get a note from a student that will say, I just want to tell you what a difference you've made in my life. Or maybe every once in a while as a mom or a dad, just before some event, maybe you wait till they're married or while they're walking down the aisle and say, Dad, I just want you to know I really have loved being your daughter. Maybe some of you have heard that all your life, but maybe every once in a while you wonder when you've not heard the response, you don't know whether it's making a difference, you've not seen a return in your financial or physical investment, is what I'm doing making a difference? How many of you have prayed for a long period of time for a specific thing, and as of yet, it still has not happened? And you've wondered, is God here? Is He there? Why haven't I seen an answer? If any of those resonate with you at all, I want you to take your Bibles out this morning and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we're going to read verses 7 to 11 this morning, but that section of Scripture follows on the heel of James chapter 4 verse 13 all the way up to 5 chapter 6 where we left off last Sunday morning. And it relates to how we handle the resources of our lives and what we do with them. James has been saying this, essentially. Folks, I want you to know, life is short, eternity is long. So invest the resources of your life in things that really matter. I summed it up this way. Life is about making a difference, not making a living. Jesus talked about it over and over again in his teaching in Matthew chapter 6. He said, look, I want you to invest the resources of your life in things that really matter. I want you to put up eternal resources. I want you to do whatever it is you're doing in in my name, and I want you to know that it's going to matter. People are going to notice. The kingdom is going to be expanded. The harvest is ripe and ready. People will come into the kingdom. In Matthew 25, he says, I want to be honest with you. There are some times you'll sow in ways that you wouldn't have even imagined, and an amazing harvest will take place. Even if you just give a cup of cold water in my name. I want you to know that little cup of water given in my name can make an amazing difference in the life of someone. And there are times when you invest, and you pray, and you give, and you're concerned, and you share, and you teach, and you love, And some amazing things happen as a result of that. (coughs) A couple of weeks ago, we told you we were in Senegal, West Africa, and we minister a lot with the kids at the the Dakar Academy that is there. Connie and her team went over a couple of years ago and did Spiritual Emphasis Week for their elementary school kids. Every other year, or every twice a year, they minister in very remote villages out where they're at. All the kids from the Dakar Academy go out. Our kids are going to do something like this, and you're going to see a video clip in a moment, in the Dominican Republic. In this context over there in Senegal, West Africa, these kids go out for a four- or five-day conference, and they've got to literally dig their own latrines. They are in extremely remote areas, carry their own water, and minister in a variety of ways. And every once in a while, in some fascinating turn of events, God answers their investment in powerful, wonderful ways. Watch this video clip here for a moment. Notice at the very beginning that cement mixer. And then I'll tell you about it at the end.
1: I sing new songs of i Kevin showed me that
0: clip, I thought, what must it have been like for those kids? After all that weekend with all that struggle and all that effort and all of that digging and all of that heat and all the things they went through to be able to see that kind of response, I thought, they must have thought, wow. We would have never imagined there could have been that kind of a response with all that we were doing. And God just honored their efforts and their giving and their loving and their caring and their digging and all the work they did in amazing ways." A couple of years ago, when we knew that they were doing this on a regular basis, they said one of the things they could really use was a cement mixer. And so our children's ministries raised funds to be able to buy that cement mixer. And one of the people from our church brought the trailer to uh, take it over behind. And Ev says they can do things ten times as fast as what they've done. When I saw that a couple of weeks ago, I thought, what must it have been like for those kids? To be able to see that kind of response. Because a lot of times, you don't. You don't see that kind of response. Sometimes you give your time and your talents and your resources in someone else's life or in a kingdom endeavor and you're left wondering, is this making any difference at all? Sometimes you get to see the harvest of what you sowed and sometimes you don't. There's a lot of teachers who get to see the results of the difference they're making in someone else's life and there are a lot of teachers who maybe have taught all their life and wonder, do they get it? Have they gotten it? A lot get the notes, a lot do not about the impact someone's had on their life or they've had on someone else's life. So what do you do if you don't see the results? What are you supposed to do with that? How are you supposed to feel? What goes on inside when you don't see the results of your investment? Well, I think, to be honest with you, James knew there would be times like that when we would wonder. And so I believe he answers the question in James chapter 5, beginning at verse 7, of how I'm to feel or what I'm to do when I wonder, am I making a difference? He says this in verse 7. Be patient. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop, patiently, patiently waiting for the autumn, spring rains? You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other. Brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen how the Lord finally brought it about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Two times James says, be patient. Four times he mentions the word patience. With, if you're like me, that's not always easy to do. Especially if you've invested for a long time and you're wondering, am what I'm doing, is what I'm doing making a difference? The Greek word for patience means to belong to anger. Especially in those kind of contexts, you'll find yourself being easy to get frustrated because seeing results take longer than you thought. We have a tendency to get frustrated when we don't see the results. Now, even though James says life is short, when I'm wondering if what I'm doing is making a difference, and when I don't see the results, it doesn't seem too short. It seems like I've been frustrated for a long time, or maybe you've been frustrated for a long time because you've invested a lot in someone's life. And you're not seeing the results you hated. Or you thought you would. And you hate that anxiety that runs inside of you. And you know that it's there. In the midst of that frustration sometimes there's a tendency to bail out. Not working. They're not getting it. They're not responding. I'm done. So James walks into those kinds of situations and says, Be patient. Be patient. Okay. I can do that. How long? A day? A week? A year, five years, how long? James says, here's how long. Till the coming of God. Till the coming of the Lord. I hope there'd be a better answer than that, James. <laughs> I-, I hope to be a little sooner than that. Now that phrase can confirm to me a couple of things. One is that someday, some of us may see the results of our investment... But if we're really honest about that, sometimes we may not see it until then. You may see it in this life every once in a while. God may every once in a while give you an amazing glimpse. Some of us may not see the full picture of our investment until the end of time. And in a culture like ours that is about instant gratification and instant information, that's hard to hear. Because I want to know now whether or not what I'm doing matters. Now the other thing this tells me or at least reminds me, is that we've been called to live a life of faith. Where we don't always have to see the results of what it is that we know we believe we should be doing because that's what God's called us to do. Hebrews chapter 11 said, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. We may not see the results, and then we have to decide, Do I trust God or not? James gives us a couple of examples. He said, Look at the farmer. Now, there are things the farmer can do, and there are things he can't do. The farmer can plow, the farmer can till, the farmer can plant, but he cannot control the weather, and he cannot make it grow. Doesn't it drive you crazy when your kids don't seem to respond to the incredible wisdom you give them on a regular basis? Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. James goes on to say, consider the prophets know anything about the old testament god called a lot of these prophets to minister in extremely difficult times to give a message it wasn't real inviting to a lot of people sometimes they saw amazing harvest and sometimes they didn't matter of fact the one that comes to the mind is jeremiah god called jeremiah to be a prophet of his a spokesperson for him i before he was born but he said i just want you to know no one's going to listen And he tells them that right up front. I, I'm I'm calling you. I've called you. I've set my life upon you. I'm calling you to be a prophet of mine. I want you to speak my words to this kingdom. But I just need you to know, hardly anyone will listen. And yet he keeps going. That's not fair. Maybe true, but if we know God's in it, we have to decide: Do I trust Him or not? He gives us the example of Job, who went through horrific circumstances. But in the end, he got it all restored. And I wondered, if I'd have been Job, could I have even made it to the end? I mean, it's one thing for Job to say what we sang a moment ago, blessed be the name of the Lord he gives and takes away. But when he hasn't returned, and he hasn't responded, and all he does is seemingly take away, and I don't see what he's giving, I'm amazed and stunned by his response. Those words were not written at the end when he got it all back. Those were words were written and said at the beginning when it was all taken away. All the disciples but one died a martyr's death. When Jesus restored Peter in John chapter 20 and 21 at the end of the book of John, Peter's got a number of questions and, and he said, what about John? Well, what's going to happen to him as Jesus tries to tell Peter what's going to happen to him? Jesus looks at Peter and said, What is it to you if I keep him here till I return? That's some of the last words those guys heard. So what you think they assumed, Jesus is going to come back. And all of them but one died a martyr's death, never seeing the end or the end results of what's going to happen. When you wonder where is God and why isn't he answered, you ought to read Hebrews chapter 11, the end of that chapter, an amazing chapter on faith. And that chapter begins to give us story after story after story how those invested... And saw amazing results of what they invested in. Saw their prayers answered. Saw their lives ministered to. Saw God do some incredible things. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Administered justice. And gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lion, Quenched the fiery fury of flames. Who escaped the edge of the sword. That's how it begins. And then it ends like this. But there were others. Who were tortured. Refusing to give up. Some faced jeers and flogging, some chains and imprisonment. Some were put to death. Some were killed by the sword. They wandered in deserts and mountains, lived in caves and holds. They were all commended for their faith, yet they never received in this life what had been promised. I look at that section of the scripture and say, wait a minute. Where's the joy in serving? Where's the joy in living? Where's the joy in loving? Where's the joy in ministering? James says sometimes... In the end. James is calling us to have an eternal perspective on life. In verse 8 of chapter 5, he says, Stand firm in the NIV. The better translation is in the Revised Standard Version. It says, Be patient. Strengthen your heart. In other words, that, that physical issue of, in the Greek said, Shore up your heart. Keep it solid. Keep it steady. Do whatever is necessary to keep it where it needs to be. Because I'm telling you, there are going to be days that are going to come and you're going to wonder if you can make it to the end. You're going to wonder what is at the end. I just need you to remember the Lord's near. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter says, I just need you to know at the end of time, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, okay, I've been hearing this for 2,000 years. Where is he at? Every time we hear some event or some things that have taken place in the world around us, some of the things that we've seen over the last few weeks in northern Africa and the Middle East, there's a lot of people with the tsunamis and all that has gone on who have said, okay, when's he coming back? It's got to be now. got to be soon. Peter said, I need you to know that a lot of that has been happening for a long period of time. But I just need you to know that God is going to keep his promise and he will return. Do not forget one thing, dear friends, where the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Lord's not slow in keeping His promise at some point where some understand slowness. Instead, He's being patient because He doesn't want anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. I just need you to know, though, the day of the Lord will come. The Lord is near, it says here in this section of Scripture in James. You know what that means? It's the next event. It's the very next event. The last event was the death and resurrection of Christ. The next event, His coming. To the Lord, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. You know how long Jesus has been gone? Two days. And I'm telling you, next event, he's coming back. A lot of people have written books down through the ages that have said all kinds of things need to happen and will happen before Christ returns. So you can kind of figure out when it's going to take place because all this has to happen. You know what has to happen for the Lord to return? Nothing. The trumpet will blow and the Lord will come. Now that means two things or may mean two things. One is the second coming when the trumpet does sound and those of us who know Christ will be resurrected into eternal life or it may mean he's coming for you or he's coming for me and neither one of them can be predicted. A day could bring what James chapter 5 verse 1 says a lot of weeping and wailing if we have found that we have decided to hoard and never invested the resources of our lives in things that really made a difference. Or it could be a day when your mind gets blown away when you see the results of what's taking place. Remember the old Ray Bolt song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord? Written a number of years ago, and he talks about that eternal perspective of what it's going to be like someday when we stand around the throne of God and that Sunday school teacher who maybe wondered for the, all of their ministry life if they made a difference where that child said, The day you asked me to pray, I did, and I accepted Jesus that missionary came and you decided to give and you wondered whether or not it made any difference, I just want you to look around and see the results of what you invested in. The people that you're standing here with around the throne of God who are ministering from every, or celebrating from every tribe and every language and every tongue are a part of your investment. I just want you to look around because I'm telling you it's worth it. in the end. 2 Corinthians 4.17 said, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Ever sit beside the bedside of a dying friend and you didn't know what to say? And as much as you wanted them to rise up out of that bed, you knew for certain they weren't going to make it. And so you loved them, you prayed with them, And you knew they knew Christ. You just looked them in the eye and said, see you in a couple days. Because I know where we're going. And even though this life right now seems horrible, we'll see each other in a couple days. Because I'm going to be there too. Gone to the funeral home. Way too many occasions in my life very early in life with one of the friends that I grew up with for a long period of time whose husband's died in an accident and I didn't know what to say. I hugged her and I loved her and I said I'd be praying for her and for her and she said that's all I needed to know. Every once in a while when you're in those situations at work or at school when you stand up to your convictions and regardless of what they're teaching about evolution you are absolutely certain that you know God created this world. Every once in a while you muster up the courage to stand for your convictions and to say, I know the truth. And The teacher didn't like it and no one around you responded and you felt like you were isolated on an island all by yourself and the only one who has the courage to stand up for your convictions either at school or at work. I just want you to know that I think every once in a while your Heavenly Father looks at you and smiles. He said, that's my girl. That's my boy. You may not see it now. You wonder whether or not you're making a difference or if anybody gets it. But I heard you. I'm proud of you. You're a teacher and you're not sure if you're making a difference or if they're getting it. Don't give up. You're sharing your faith and no one seems to care. Keep living it. Mom, Dad, if your teenager's driving you crazy and you wonder if they're ever going to mature, don't give up. Keep loving, keep praying. If you go to the last doctor and the one before him and the one before her and no one seems to know the answers, I just want you to know that God hears your prayer. If you've lost someone close to you and the days of loneliness seem to drag on, if you know Christ and you know they knew Christ, hold on. Because in a few days, you're going to see each other again. If you're a mom and you lost that little one, maybe even before they were born as we would know born, I'm absolutely certain you're going to see her again. You're going to see him again. When the world around you doesn't make sense and life seems so unpredictable, don't give up. Hold on, because there's going to come a day that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in the heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul says in Thessalonians, Brother, I don't want you to be ignorant of those who don't get it, of those who don't understand. I don't want you to be uninformed about those who die in death, so that you won't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, And we so believe that God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own words, I'm telling you this, we who are alive and are left to the coming of the Lord will certainly not proceed those who have fallen asleep in Him. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and remain will be so forever with the Lord in the air and so will be with Him for all of time. So encourage one another. With these words. Paul says in Corinthians, listen, I wanna tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must close itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, and death at that moment will be swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Scriptures will tell us the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In light of all of that, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So hold on to the rock of ages who will never, ever, ever let you down. The sure, you're here this morning and you're not sure about that end day? Or you're not sure where you stand now before God? This is the day to be absolutely sure. Out of all the uncertainty of life, I am telling you that's the one thing that you want to be sure about. Is that when that day comes, you'll see Jesus face to face. It's the simplest, easiest process on the planet to do inviting Christ into your life and giving your heart to Him. If you're not sure about that this morning, there are some elders that are going to come and they would love to pray with you and pray for you. Maybe you're one of those who are just wrestling with a lot of issues in life that I mentioned at the beginning. And you'd love somebody to pray with you as well. I know there's some physical needs here this morning in this or the next service. And if you're one of those this morning, we'd love to pray for you as well. God, we are so delighted to be in your presence. We're just so delighted that we know with absolute certainty What's going to happen in our future even though we don't see tomorrow or what's in front of us now? We are certain about our future in you. And I'm so excited about that, so delighted. That's the one thing in this incredibly unpredictable world that we can be certain about. And So I trust that everyone in this room this morning is certain about their relationship with you. Guide us, direct us, continue to keep our eyes on you in the midst of all the unusual things that go on around us or the day-to-day events where we do wonder whether or not anybody's getting it. May your eyes constantly be on you because of what you've called us to do. You will finish. Bless us as we go from this place. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We can pray for you in any way. You come on down.